So, um, hello everyone and welcome to Nikki Nile Creative Presents of Industry Leaders, where today I'm joined by Vicky Ross. Um, so Vicky's been writing copy for major global brands for 24 years and she specialises in branding and tone of voice and travels the world telling businesses how to talk. Welcome this morning Vicky, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Obviously, I'm not travelling the world. At the <laughs> not at the moment. <laughs> um, can I turn this on its head and just thank you? Because you work so hard at extracurricular stuff. Like, you go above and beyond your job. I can see how hard you're working to oh. clearly try and help as many people as you can. So, thank you. No, you're welcome. Oh, you, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> It is just a natural thing that I thought to do whilst um, it's quiet out there on the recruitment side, talking to people that I know such as yourself and nagging you to join me on Zoom and um, join in on these talks. So thank you. Um, so how we're going to structure this is I've got a couple of questions for Vicky and then I've got a little Q&A box in the bottom if you just want to pop in a few questions and if we've got a spare 10 minutes, we'll get to those at the end. So, um, yeah, first question I've got for you um, is okay. that standard, what's the, did you have a light bulb moment when you decided you wanted to be a copywriter or is it something you just fell into? Um, no, I didn't have a light bulb moment. I didn't know what a copywriter was. Um, I knew that I wanted to be a writer because I loved reading and writing. And so when I was a kid, I made up stories. I thought I was going to write a book. Uh, when I was at college, when I bothered to turn up, I wrote a magazine um, and I loved reading magazines. So I thought that the writing that I liked in the magazines in the adverts was journalism. Um, and then through trial and error of various admin jobs, I, I fell into um, a marketing agency and that's where I learned what copywriting was and that's when I realised I wanted to be a copywriter. So maybe it was a light bulb moment, but um, it, was, it was on a dimmer switch. It took a while to, to brighten and, and to hit me. And um, how did you land your job at the body shop? Um, Okay, I have to go back a tiny bit. Um, okay. This makes me nervous as my husband tells me I tell really long stories. Um, I left college with no qualifications. I didn't go to university or ad school. I, I had to get a job. So I got a receptionist job. I, I did it for about a year. I got sacked uh, and I went to a PR agency as an office admin assistant just for a short period of time while they were working on um, a launch party for Michael Jackson's new album. I was there for four weeks. When that four weeks ended, the lady who ran the company asked if I would go to her husband's company uh, to continue being an office admin assistant. Um, and his company happened to be this marketing agency, direct marketing. Um, so I luckily fell into the job uh, without knowing that's where I wanted to be. I then went traveling and when I came back, I had still no qualifications. I didn't know that copywriters needed books or, or you had to do an internship. I didn't know anything about getting into the advertising industry. I just thought you, you just applied and took, sent your CV and that was it. Obviously that is not it. Um, so I took an office admin assistant job at the body shop. Um, and then when I was there, I told the lady I was working for, after a few months, I said, I, I, this isn't actually what I want to do. I really want to write stuff. How can I do that? Mm. And she gave me something to write that had come out of the in-house creative studio. And she really liked what I'd written and moved me straight there. Uh, so that is how I got my job at the body shop. Okay. And wow, that's quite the story. But I guess <laughs> with copywriting, it's something that gradually happened um, as you weave through your career perhaps but um, so you were at the body shop for, for eight years what was that experience like? I loved it so much I mean obviously you don't stay somewhere for eight years if you don't love it I loved it so much um, there were so many things to love about it like being female and like sorry to be really like 
stupid and stereotypical but being female and working amongst makeup and skincare is like you know it just I could paint my nails at my desk and pretend it was for competitor research <laughs> when actually I was just getting ready to go out that night um I worked with amazing people some of them are still my bestest friends now yeah. um I met my husband through my best friend at the body shop um Anita Roddick was a force like how incredible is it that I am able to say that I knew her and I worked for her um, they did innovative things that weren't being done yet they didn't they didn't believe in uh, anti-aging products they obviously didn't use products which on animals um, and they didn't advertise their advertising was window posters in the shops Mm. Um, and I got to write just really nice stories about where ingredients came from and how the sourcing supported women in disadvantaged communities. And uh, it, I mean, it was just there's so much to love. Plus, um, I've just been told my inter internet connection is unstable. Is that are we good? It's it's phasing out a tiny little bit, but it's not too bad. Okay, well, stick your hand up if um, if I need to do something while I keep talking. Um, also, just it should be known because I know a lot of people sort of aren't into creative studios in house. There was, I think, around 150 of us when we were going strong. We acted like an agency. The marketing teams who briefed us were very much um, treated like the client. We did pitches, we did presentations. Oh, Vicky, you just cut out there. It's just frozen. I don't know why I said tell me because I don't know what to do <laughs> yeah it no just carry on it's not it's not actually that bad I've been to lots of like webinars and zoom talks which has been much worse it's just okay. every now and then the odd words but you're okay all right sorry everyone I'm usually fine on these things but um yeah so that's what I love lots I loved lots about it okay and so then you left was that after around the time they were acquired by L'Oreal did that change things a lot I guess Yes, yes, and yes. Um, even though I loved all of the things that the brand stand for, stood for, I'm not a massive activist in those areas, but L'Oreal came in and wanted to completely change the brand's ethos and purpose. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't sit right with me. Not only that, they just weren't very nice to work for. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I was really miserable. It was such a change. And um, after three months of being really, really, really miserable, there is nothing worse. Well, obviously, <laughs> I'm talking in the context of, of this conversation. There are, there are loads of horrendous things going on right now, but it's really horrible to hate your job and have to turn up for it every day. And, and that's how I was feeling. And so in the end, I quit reluctantly. And uh, yeah, it, it was difficult to make that decision. And then how did you find the industry after that? Because obviously you moved to Virgin Media and then Hotels.com. So I left the body shop thinking, if I'm going to leave, I'm going to do something completely different. And mm. I was, um, I was uh, offered the opportunity to cover maternity leave of the head of copy at Virgin Media. And that was, that was very different to uh, the body shop. So I went there. It was meant to be for six months. They extended it to nine because it was just going really well. Um, and it was really refreshing to write about something different. Having thought I would never want to do anything different, I actually really loved the, the variation in, in, and the step change. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when I was getting ready to leave Virgin Media, I was approached for the head of copy job at Sky. Um, and I went there for nearly two years and I loved it um, and I reluctantly left because head of copy jobs in my experience mean more meetings and less writing and I love writing yeah I hate meetings and I hate I'm so not business minded so sitting in meetings talking about sales forecasts and you know people coming to me with their sick leave or holiday leave like I don't know if I'm the best or the worst leader. You know, if you're sick, then please take the time off. If you want to go on holiday, take as many days as you want. I don't know why there has to be a process or forms to fill in. And I hate that whole like monitoring people's behavior. And, and I know it's all based on pay and getting promotions, but it just, it just doesn't sit right with me. So I, I left, um, I left Sky to keep writing. I freelanced with them for about six months, but um, even though I was very secure with the work, um, 
I couldn't get my head around the fact that I didn't work every day. I've, I've always been so hard working. Um, and uh, around the time I was thinking I was going to have a nervous breakdown. I'm so dramatic. I wasn't having a nervous <laughs> breakdown. I was just crying a lot. Um, uh, Expedia uh, approached me uh, with a, a head of copy job and I love to travel and it was job security. And so I jumped at it. Um, I, I, was, I, was, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but within about six weeks, I knew that I shouldn't have taken the job because I was back in loads of meetings. But it was great to write about something completely different again. It was great to travel. I went to amazing. I went to Buenos Aires, Chicago, Dallas. Um, I was very lucky. But at the same time, at the weekends, I was doing the odd freelance job for Sky. So I maintained that relationship. And in the end, I quit Expedia because it was more meetings, less copy, and Sky was continuing to offer me more copy. So I've now been working for Sky on and off for 10 years. Wow, okay. Um, and I know that, well, I read somewhere that when you first interviewed with Sky, it was seven interviews in total. Was that correct? You've done your research. I can't think where I've written that, but yes, I have said that, and it is true. Um, they hadn't hired a head of copy before, and so I guess they wanted to make sure they were doing the right thing. So yeah, I had to meet with seven different people who managed seven different departments. Sky's massive. Um, so it was a really interesting interview process. Um, but by the time I got to the last person who was the... Uh, marketing director at the time like chief marketing officer um it was just a chat really and then at the end he said have you got any questions and I said have I got the job because I just thought after seven interviews surely you know now or, or, or not like it just baffled me and I was a bit tired of, of the whole thing but, um luckily that made him laugh and and yeah 10 years later I'm still very much working for them and and loving working for them like I said about loving beauty but I also love tv and what's not to love about uh writing for a tv brand mostly tv obviously they do loads of other things mm. and and is it quite difficult to secure a permanent job as a copywriter or a senior copywriter role I don't think it's difficult to get one I don't think there are many of them is mm -hmm. is the issue um because too many brands and agencies think they don't need one um copywriters are often uh, last in first out because everyone thinks they can write the copy themselves and I'm sure people listening in if they're copywriters or even if they're not copywriters and they work with some they've probably heard um, or we don't need a copywriter or we haven't got budget for a copywriter or we can't afford to pay for something that we can do by ourselves and you know obviously marketing people they write things all the time so they 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 write copy and some can write copy but some write presentation decks and strategy documents and that is not the same as writing a strap line for example mm -hmm. yeah definitely um, so a lot of people have spoken to me about going freelance recently and and what's the freelance slash permalance lifestyle like from your experience it's brilliant and it's horrible at the same time um what i always say to anyone thinking of going freelance is um from my personal experience everybody's different obviously i I wouldn't, I never, I never considered going freelance. Um, I only did it because I didn't think I had much other option um, for sort of job happiness. Um, but I think you, I think it's easy to go freelance if you have worked within the industry for a certain amount of time and you've built up an address book of contacts. I think um, going freelance from the off on your own, maybe, you know, there's a, a student out of, uni or ad school i think you have to rely on on lots of different factors to help you get work whereas if you know people it, it you know often our job is through word of mouth and so it, it's easy to make those connections and get those jobs i realize i'm not selling the uh the business of a recruitment agent as like you are right now but um then it's also about having a great relationship with your recruitment agent um the person that contacted me for the sky job was the 
an amazing recruitment agent. I mean, I couldn't have been more prepared for um, for the interviews, the seven interviews. Um, the life of a freelancer is um, it's it's great for so many things. It's great for personal time. It's great for your mind. I should elaborate rather than just list. Personal time is so it's really nice to um, without sounding like a middle aged housewife it's really nice to just write a bit of copy and then go and put the washing on um, and then get back to work again rather than saving all your chores for the weekend and not feeling like you've got any free time it's also nice to just to remove that idea that i'm a middle-aged housewife which i'm not clearly um, it's nice to write a bit of copy and then go and watch a bit of tv maybe and then get back to it so everything's kind of on your terms mm. Um, it's good for your mind. I find uh, waking up without an alarm sometimes and you know that whole like throwing yourself out of bed, throwing yourself onto the tube, got to get into work for a certain time, got to be ready for a meeting for a certain time. It's just a bit more relaxed and if you're not feeling it one day that's okay. You can just approach your work when, you can, when you're ready, when you're mentally ready. Um, the worst bits of it for me, I mean, I'm not business minded at all. So setting up a company, chasing invoices. I mean, I can't tell you, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I bang on about it all the time. I can't stand chasing to be paid for the work that you have done. I do not understand how someone can accept work from you and then not pay you for it. Yeah. Like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really not difficult to process an invoice. Um, anyway, I won't get ranty. Um, I mean, I can, but I won't. Um, and that, and yeah, and just like waiting to find out if you've got a job, waiting to find out if you've done a good job, waiting to get paid, all of those things can, can cause much anxiety and, and that is horrible. And I think um, while, while there's lots of space to look after your mental health as a freelancer, there's also a lot to affect your mental health. And so, be strong and be ready for that if that's your path yeah did that answer the original question yeah pretty much yeah it covered all the goods and the bads and I think invoice chasing obviously it's something that I experienced myself and one thing I always say is, is a heads up is just I always call a week before my invoice is due and I speak to whoever's head of accounts and I'll just say am I being included in this run and I know it just seems one of those really like simple things, but I'll be on it then. And then, cause otherwise they fob you off, they make up an excuse. And sometimes the director that you invoice hasn't even sent it onto accounts. Yes. They're busy. It's not in their best interest to worry about invoices. So yeah. they almost expect you to chase. Yeah. Find. It's like a mini battle. What you said is a really great tip and I'm actually going to use it myself because as soon as you contact someone and say, when it's late, when payment's late, they say, oh, sorry, we'll put you into the next run. So you could be waiting another month. So yeah. your tactic is much better than mine, which is sending emails with capital letters in it. Yeah, just check the week before and say, I just want to make sure you've got it and that the code's right as well, because sometimes they need to align it with their own purchasing order systems, etc. And it just cuts yeah waiting time out especially yeah. as a freelancer um when you are relying on that money um yeah. so what advice would you give to any juniors starting out in the industry uh work hard um i talk to a lot of juniors i mentor a lot of um uh, young creative women and there's there's two camps one is the one that wants to know how to succeed overnight and yeah. the other is the one that wants to do what it takes and unfortunately it's the ones that want to do what it takes that get ahead mm. and that shouldn't be something that puts you off trying to get into the industry because how fun is our job like I'm just making stuff up all day. So why wouldn't you want to put everything that you can into that? There are worse jobs to have. So if I say work hard, I mean work hard at having fun with the work. Um, you know, if someone says you've got great ideas in your book, but push them, that's, that's exciting and encouraging. So I think um, work hard, be interesting, like have a say. Uh, have an opinion have a view like know what you're looking for and what you want to do but also be interested so if you're cold calling 
um, an agency that you want to work for, which I highly recommend. Um, like, why not? If you don't ask, you don't get. I always say, um, you know, email a head of copy, email a creative director and tell them that you would like to work for them. But tell them why. Don't just send like a blank, e like, you know, an email, a blanket email that you would send to anyone. Like, my name's Vicky. I want to be a copywriter. So what? Um, tell them why you want to be a copywriter, why you specifically want to write for them and for their agency. Like, is it a brand that they've got? as an account that you want to work on? Have you done something for that brand already? Have you got an idea that you want to share? Um, make it a conversation. That's another important thing. When you go for job interviews, you're not being interviewed solely. You're also interviewing the person who's going to hire you. You need to know if they're going to be right for you just as much as they need to know if they're going to be, if you're going to be right for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a real common thing that's been coming up is grit and resilience. Every single person that I've interviewed in this series, it is like an industry leader. It will be things haven't worked out. There's been knockbacks. Everyone has a story and it is that kind of hanging on in there. And um, that important thing you said about juniors, one bit of advice I always give is you need to reference the company you're applying to and definitely make sure you're not putting the wrong name on. Um, like for instance, when Vinny from um, Bulletproof was speaking to me last week, he said the amount of emails they make it from another agency. Like, I really want to work for Design Bridge. And they're like, well, hang on a minute, you're applying to us. You are <laughs> out. And also spell names and agency names, right? It's amazing yeah, how, yeah. I, like, I don't actually care. People spell, spell my name wrong all the time. Like it's, it all sounds the same. I really don't care. But if you're applying for a job as a copywriter, I really want to know that you can spell, especially if you're referencing a brand or an agency name. Like, don't get those wrong. They're, it's impossible to get those wrong. They're on the internet. They're everywhere. Yeah. And that, that kind of standout thing that when someone is applying, it's 50% all about you and your skills and 50% about why you want to work for the company. And that's essential, what, whatever level, junior, middleweight, senior. And I cannot stress that enough to people. Um, I've even put an ad out myself for somebody. And in it, I've clearly said, please give me evidence you've looked at my socials. And the amount of people that just send through their CV and folio talk all, all about themselves. And it's like... You've not paid attention to the yeah. job. So that's something I'd always like to really stress. I, I, I do get that. I, I agree with you. I have a similar thing. I've Since um, this lockdown, I've been sharing as many jobs as I can find on LinkedIn. And a number of people contact me applying for it, thinking I'm hiring for that role. And that just shows me that you haven't read the post properly. Like I've clearly said so-and-so is hiring. Mm. Um, uh, what was I going to say? What did you say? <laughs> About uh, reading the job description before applying and if there's any steps in it. And then you said you post people's jobs. Yeah, so if you're not paying attention. Oh, no, I was going to say, but I do get that people are desperately looking for work at the moment. It, a lot of people are in a horrible situation. And I totally get that you might just see something, apply really quickly because you're you're applying for loads of other things and you're just really hopeful and um like I say I get that but everyone's got five minutes take five minutes just take a deep breath like you're not going to send a good application if you're panicking and and you know feeling the strain just remember what's good about yourself and put that forward um yeah, uh, yeah and good luck if you are if you're listening now and you are looking for a job there are jobs out there yeah, well, actually, a, a little cheeky plug from my end. I'm looking for a few copywriters at the moment. Yes. So before I got on this call, um, I was approached about some freelance work. So, um, yeah, feel free to add me on LinkedIn or send me an email as well. I'll put it in, in the chat box in a bit. But, yeah, I'm looking for copywriters. Yay, which is nice. I got a couple of uh, messages through this morning. So it's nice to see that it's starting to shift a bit in the market at the moment. There is there right. is work out there. There are jobs going. Obviously, there are a lot of people applying, but, you know, not everyone's going to get that job. So just apply. Um, you never know. Um, also, on that grit and resilience thing, I think, is it John Hegarty? He says... Um, creativity is a isn't an occupation it's a preoccupation mm. so on that whole hard work thing like 
it's not even that hard really the work because if you're trying to think of ideas well you can't stop your mind your mind is always thinking of ideas so even when you're it doesn't feel like you're working you still are working because it's a preoccupation so um let your subconscious do some of the work too yeah definitely um so i first heard about you vicky from the these hilarious hashtags about things you overhear in agencies and i remember seeing those and just laughing to myself and then i saw about agency quotes but i've noticed it's not something you mention as much nowadays do you mind if i ask why so i created the hashtag things you hear in agencies and um i don't know if anyone listening or watching um knows it but it's where the industry tweet the things that they hear in agencies because we do say really funny things at work that you would just not make sense of if you didn't know anything about advertising or creativity um and it blew up and it, it was really popular uh, and it was really fun and because it was so popular it got lots of people's attention um including somebody who approached me telling me i should make it a bigger thing and i hadn't thought about that before um i pretty much only know how to work a word document to be honest so it hadn't occurred to me to make a new twitter account for the things that i was already tweeting but it was a good idea and uh, we created agency quotes and it's got like tens of thousands of followers and we made two books out of all the tweets and uh, and yeah it was great i loved it um unfortunately the person i'm talking about was involved in a an incident that um i could not justify supporting or, or being connected to. I wasn't connected to this other thing, but um, by being connected to him, I, it could have been mistaken for that. Um, and so I said we had to part ways and that I would take ownership of agency quotes because it was my idea. Um, and he said no, um, he wanted us to continue sharing it and in my upset and frustration at the time and my willingness to remove myself from a situation I could have potentially found myself in, I, I, I agreed and I regret that because it was my idea and it's now being promoted as his and as if I was never involved in it but hey, uh, there are bigger things going on and um, I'm bigger than a Twitter account um, but I, I guess the the moral of the story is be careful who you go into business with. I know it's a Twitter account, it wasn't really business, but be careful who you partner up with, I guess. Um, I treat everyone as a friend and mm. that's not right because business isn't about friendships, it's about business. Of course, you make friends and have friends within business, but just be careful what you sign up to and, and agree to and maybe have things in writing should the worst happen. Um, I guess, you know, we are, a, we are an industry built on pairing up and how do you know that you pair up with the right person if you've never met them before, which is what I did. And I just did it out of trust and um, I guess that was foolish. Sad. <laughs> no, but, you know, it, it can happen because I've had my own, I've got my own story as well about a, a trust of a business relationship I went into that, where I got stung myself and it can happen and it's a shame because I I've always enjoyed working with you Vicky most people I've worked with or collaborated with it's been a mutual respect and it's been awesome and we've created great things and it's all been very positive every now and then there's the old person out there that that isn't quite like that and doesn't uphold those same values and they may do something like they did that conflicts with your own and then they're not right to work with anymore so it can happen um it just i think for me personally i've learned to be lovelier to the people that need someone to be lovely and kind to them but actually detect red flags a lot sooner and put up a bit more of a guard and i've with those yeah. people, that's how i've addressed it really is any slight red flag you can't always see them straight away can you but yeah well, I mean, that, that's a really good point. I, I think I could see the red flags. There were incidents prior to the one that made me snap. Um, and I just stupidly uh, or naively thought, well, you know, that's his other initiative. It's got nothing to do with agency quotes or me, so I'm safe. But as, as the incidents continued, I, I just couldn't be a part of those. But I should have I should have parted ways 
earlier and maybe with a bigger conversation rather than um, getting to a point where I had to react in haste and um, and do what I thought was the right thing at the time. Uh, and like I say, I regret it now. I, I should have held on to something that was mine. Um, but uh, yeah, it, look, it's done. Um, yeah. I've learned from it. And um, so moving on to Twitter followers. So how how did you build up your, your Twitter following? Was it a gradual thing or was it just... Did you I, Honestly, what I don't know what everyone finds so interesting. Um, I only talk about copywriting or, or things related. Is it, what was that? Oh, Nikki, she, I think she's on mute. She said she was having fire alarm problems. Yeah, I was saying to Vicky earlier that we were having issues this morning and we replaced all the batteries <laughs> and it seems to be fine. <laughs> Good. I think we're okay. Sorry, Vicky, to cut no, you for everyone. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, <clears throat> I guess, um, working for myself, I have a certain level of freedom in, in sharing my opinions. So, you know, where I might complain about a client, I'd never name anybody, but I might complain about a client or I might complain about not being paid on time. Others might not feel that they can say those things because they... Well, there, there are various reasons, obviously. Um, but I think because, look, I don't know, I'm not a social media expert, but I think because my feed, you know what you're gonna get with me. I, I'm i only gonna talk about copywriting and if that's what you're here for, then I guess that's what you like to follow me for. Um, yeah, I, I, like you'll never see me tweet that I had a burger um, or, or, you know, it's it's very work related. My personal life is is my personal life. Uh, or unless I make fun of my husband, which sometimes I do on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I've seen that's funny. I think like one time I saw a post about um, you liking the adverts and him not, but that's all related to copy. And yes. Like that. Yeah. Um, but I think the smoke alarms are fine now, by the way. It's this, this is like the joys of working from home, all the things we have to deal with. Um, it's the reality of it, really. But um, so also you do a lot of mentoring in the industry. Um, could you talk to us a bit more about that? Yeah, um, that wasn't something I set out to do. I, did, I never put myself in a position where I thought, I'm going to tell people what to do. Um, but I had so many people come to me asking to support them or, or, for, or give them advice. And um, it, it kind of aligned with my experience as a copywriter throughout my career. And that is that um, you can be uh, the only copywriter in an agency. You, you could be a copywriter without a head of copy. Um, you could be a copywriter that isn't valued or the craft isn't valued and and it's forever a struggle uh, you know we're always fighting for copy to be respected um, and so because of those personal experiences and people coming to me with those experiences too I felt like I could sort of see people through uh, uh, issues that they might come up against like how do I present copy uh, how can I stop the client changing the copy? Um, I disagree with the client. How do I approach the situation? Um, and yeah, I think if you don't have somebody to um, to look up to at work, then you should you should find somebody outside, or, or maybe even if you do have somebody who can support you and, and develop you at work, still get somebody from outside. You know, uh, I think this is quite a collaborative industry in that we are all willing to help each other. Mm -hmm. um, and support each other and, and more senior people have been through the stuff that the junior people have been through so can definitely offer some advice on on the journey oh I just said journey <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's a very good point actually that I hadn't thought about is sometimes in some roles you may be the only copywriter for certain agencies and you do need a support network of people that really have your back especially if you're justifying why a company does need a copywriter as well when you've got people in marketing saying oh we can write the copy it's fine yeah um, or even if you're the only copywriter and everyone thinks copy is brilliant and they value and respect everything that you do you might still want another copywriter to talk to just to yeah. have you know like oh uh, I don't know, um, just to have a bit of copywriting banter with. <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, I phoned up a copywriter friend, because obviously I work on my own, um, just to say, uh, so the client feedback was alliteration. They think alliteration is a tone of voice principle. And, you know, only another copywriter would find that funny. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, sometimes it's just to have like, you know, a little gang. I must say that did go over my head a little bit. So <laughs> you have like, yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> but, somebody but, on the uh, listening would have thought, oh God. They'd yeah. be chuckling to themselves. But yeah. <laughs> um, And so have you seen that the industry has been affected much, your side, from COVID? Uh, yes, um, but in good and bad ways, almost in equal measure from where I'm sitting. So um, on the one hand, there was a complete, you know, breakdown and, and at the beginning and no one knew what was going to happen and how long it was going to be for and what we were going to do. And jobs were almost cut instantly without looking ahead. Mm. Um, but then, you know, obviously clients were pulling their accounts, so people had to react quickly. I mean, I, I myself thought I'd gone into early retirement in the first two weeks. I was quite enjoying it, really, although I think I might have gone a bit mad if it had lasted any longer because um, I, I like to work and I need to earn money. My husband isn't working, so I just negated that whole housewife thing that I said earlier. He's the house husband. Um so so that so there was that but then very quickly it seemed like everyone just got going again and you know put out ads that the uh talk to the situation uh, mm -hmm. jobs were coming back up that like i've seen so many social media jobs going because obviously brands are trying to talk to their customers through social um yeah. you know in in lieu of advertising or having like an outdoor campaign um that people aren't going to see um i think we're also all getting a bit sick of those zoom or, or not just Zoom, I don't need to brand it, but the video conference style adverts that have gone out, I think everyone's got those out of their system. So we, we, we just seem to keep moving into different phases of creativity and productivity. And like we said earlier, the job market's picking up. I mean, it has happened really quickly. Obviously, there's going to be a long way to go for some people. And, uh, you know, it's not easy, but you have to be patient. There will be jobs. The world isn't ending. It's just, I mean, it looks like it. Um, from over the weekend but um the world will keep turning people will keep buying people will keep needing products and, and people will keep needing messaging and so there will always be something for copywriters to write mm. i found if anything um content and copywriting has been one of the more consistent industries throughout this actually where as you say brands are wanting people to speak to their consumers and customers they're actually leaning on people in that area to to help them really um with their messaging because it is so important they just can't get it wrong at the moment can they it's yeah some are but yeah <laughs> no they are oh good yeah they really are but some are doing it brilliantly like i shouldn't i shouldn't jump to the negative um some are doing it brilliantly like um nike at the beginning uh the, you know there was something like you're playing the biggest game of your life or for your life stay at home Mm -hmm. um, that felt like an ad that they would have run on any other week. Um, so yeah. the fact that it related to the times was just really smart. Durex also, they're saying things like, um, we've been protecting people since 1929. So they haven't <laughs> even changed their message. They're still saying the same thing, but it just is amazingly and serendipitously. Is that the word? I shouldn't ask, should I? I should know. Um, uh, it, it still works for the time. So that's when brands get it right. When they still look like them even in a time of crisis i think when brands panic and and look and sound and act differently it shows and mm. customers don't buy into you to change your message and your personality on any day they buy into you because of what you said you believed in at the start and so if you're consistent with that you'll, you'll still have your fans yeah no I, I agree with you definitely people don't like to see big like character changes in brands do they they think oh hang on what what's that all about um so we're in a really like negative time and you don't need um a fun brand to suddenly get really negative to show that they acknowledge the times like just be the brand that we know and love like nando's for example um oh, i can't remember their line but they stayed cheeky they they didn't suddenly go from being really cheeky nando's to uh, serious voice in these unprecedented times you know life is uncertain you don't need nando's to tell you life is uncertain you've got you know the news to tell you all of that horrible stuff mm. well it was like when it was the uh the lockdown and the the chart that boris used looked like the the nando's yeah. <laughs> spice chart and that yeah. was then suddenly started whizzing all around obviously nando's didn't put that out but other people did and um yeah boris needs a creative agency although i don't know who would work for him but yeah let's not get political yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um 
So you've always seemed to work more client side. Have you ever wanted to work agency side? I've always wanted to work agency side. Um, I guess because I didn't um, know what it took to get into agencies um, and had to take job any jobs that were going uh, that that determined my path. Um, mm. I've been lucky through Sky because Sky works with over 20 different creative and ad agencies to go into agencies and, and work alongside them um, on, on whatever they're working with and to support them with copy and tone of voice. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm still waiting for the call uh, for an agency to say, we'd like you, even though you've been mostly in-house, um, which, yeah, people don't like to do the switch, but yeah, I, I, would, I would still love to work. I mean, my career's not over, hopefully. Um, so yes, if, uh, if there are any agencies watching, <laughs> um, yeah. It is that kind of um, in-house versus agency thing. It's... You see it all the time um, even in recruitment actually you've got your recruiters at what agencies are versus in-house and um, that's very different but um, so how do you predict the, the new normal everyone keeps saying it's going to be like oh, can I just go back to the in-house thing really quickly yeah, yeah of course you can everyone says it's different it is different but it's only slightly different and if you're good at your job, like if you're a copywriter, like writing copy in, in an in-house agency, I will call it that because the in-house places I've worked are set up as agencies. Um, if you're writing copy for an in-house agency, it's, you're not going to write different copy or write it differently in a, in a standalone agency. So the whole thing baffles me. But anyway, uh, the new normal. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, what yeah what what uh what was the rest of your question because i did interrupt asking to go back no no i'm I'm glad that you kind of um came back and defended the whole in-house versus agency thing um do you think that it what's better for a brand do you think it's that whole collaboration between in-house and agency working together is is more successful or just building a team in-house on the client side perhaps um Sorry to be woolly, but I think it depends. No. So, yeah. for example, the Body Shop Creative Studio, I don't know what it's like now, this is, you know, over 10 years ago, but um, it was quick. So even though we had the pictures and the briefings and, and the client presentations built into the process, it was, it was quick and it was fluid and it was collaborative and it was uh, easy and it was warm and it, and it, was, it, was, it was lovely. Um, in uh, uh, in Sky Creative Agency, for example, it's it's huge. Sky is huge, so we need those processes. It takes longer. Um, I, I think everywhere is different. Um, the Virgin Media Creative Studio. I think when I was there, there was only five or six of us. So. Of course, there was a process, but you just went over to someone's desk and started talking to them if you needed to. Um, whereas in a in a standalone agency, I guess you are uh, because your client is external and you have to arrange to go and see each other. You know, you have to have a process in place to build in all those uh, check-ins and, and reviews and meetings. Yeah. Okay. Um, so right, the new normal, and this is something that I've been asking every single person that I've been speaking to is predictions and um, because I've also been speaking to a lot of people that have been through certain number of like recessions and the whole oh it's it's been a sharp drop does that mean it's going to be a sharp bounce back etc um, but also the fact that in this downtime things like working from home where where agencies were fighting it before all of a sudden people are working from home so companies have had to bend to that suddenly so yeah the new normal it is very broad but I just wondered from your experience do you think it's going to change anything as you said it's been yeah um again it depends um I think it will change a lot I think a lot of people will revert back to safety as soon as they can um just because that's what they know but I also think that anyone who doesn't embrace the fact that we have managed to get along this far, you know, it's been ages, working from home, still being productive. Um, I think anyone that ignores that is just foolish because they could lose out on, on creative talent. Um, there are just no excuses now for 
not hiring um, from different communities or even different countries. Uh, everything can be done online. Yes, it's nice to hang out with each other and sometimes uh, creative ideas come easier when you're bouncing off other people and, and the video kind of disrupts that a little bit. But um, there, are just, there are just no barriers to any possibilities and any ways of working. No one has a good idea sat at a desk in front of a computer anyway. It's always when you go for a walk or you go to the or when you take a day to work from home. Like, it's just, um, I think this is really exciting. Obviously, the initial bits are scary, but the potential, the long-term potential for ways of working and, and people being happy and healthy in their jobs is incredible. Mm. I'm very optimistic. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I'm, I am as well, actually. It's, it's, it's been a challenging time to navigate, but especially at the moment, there seems to be a few more positive conversations going on and just showing companies that people can be responsible adults and work from home and they're not just going to be in the garden sunning themselves all day, not doing work that needs to be done. And, and it's been quite interesting, the companies that have furloughed staff and the companies that haven't, that... Um, are actually winning more work because they're competitors you try and call them up and it's just a dialing tone and it rings off so the companies that have kept going are actually seems to be flourishing and some of them are even looking to hire because they're realizing that there could be talent available to them now that wasn't beforehand so that's another thing to keep in mind um, so sorry yeah. Vicky, you're, and you cut out can you uh, are we good just for a second there it went it's been really good throughout and then it went a little bit funny towards the end this is a bad time for it to drop out when i'm saying that you know everyone can work remotely and successfully <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um i was just going to say on your when you said about you don't need to worry about people working from home and sitting in the garden uh, people rory sutherland says people who work from home are so worried that they might get caught out not working from home productivity actually higher than than you than it is when you're in the office yeah exactly and think of all the extra time people have when they're not commuting think of the meetings when I've like halfway through my day gotten on a tube gone over to the other end of London met with somebody jumped on the tube back and it's all uh, it's not disrupted anymore so you, it's just an, an, a flow yeah. Um, the creative flow if I do I can get up at five in the morning and work from home happily through till lunch uh, yeah. feeling very like free and creative but if, if an alarm wakes me up I'm instantly pissed off then I've got to get ready I've got to get out I've got to make the train I've got to get in by the time I've done all of those things I kind of need to recover I don't then have a brilliant idea waiting to come out because I'm in an enclosure where I'm expected to have one so um yay for remote freedom <laughs> yeah it takes time settling you don't just walk into the office and ideas just pour out of you you've got to set up the computer and get a coffee and you know settle into it but um right should we get on to the Q&A part yeah. only if they're easy questions right let's see what we've got I haven't checked them yet Okay, so first one um, is, when working with brands on tone of voice, how do you differentiate, sorry, I can't pronounce that, if at all, between the tone and personality? Um, the personality is a description of your character and the tone of voice is how you express that character. So if your character is warm and friendly to be really basic your tone of voice might be conversational and easygoing did i say that yeah it, yeah so the 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 principles what you call the principles should complement each other um i really love it actually when a brand has the same principles for the personality and the tone of voice they're just described in different ways um, i think it's important to always have the same language running throughout the minute you have loads of adjectives to describe a brand and its personality and its tone of voice everything's left to interpretation and no one knows who they are or what they should do or say mm -hmm. and um so moving on to the next question uh, your brand is amazing can you please talk about branding yourself 
your process of self-branding and how you use that to build your client base? Oh my goodness. Um, I think there was a compliment in there. Thank you. Uh, 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 this is not a premeditated thing. This is just me. Uh, I, I have the energy to pretend or put or create a personal brand. Like what you see is what you get. So I guess that's the easiest way to have a personal brand is just to be who you are. <laughs> yeah and, and not to be um to hold back I've I've just started on Twitter myself and I'm just I'm a, I'm aware that I'm don't really know the rules or I'm too hesitant and things like that but it seems with you Vicky you just post whatever comes up in your mind at the time that's related to copy and that's just what you do and, and people have warmed to that about you and and was it instantly you got lots of followers or was it just a gradual thing that built up and then once you hit a certain mark more and more people started following you um i can't remember at the beginning what happened because again that wasn't a premeditated thing i mean i, I didn't know what i was doing i was talking to no one as far as i was concerned um and i wasn't doing it i guess that's the other thing i wasn't doing it for other people i was just doing it for me it was somewhere that i wanted to express myself um this year in particular i have noticed that i get like a hundred new followers every week and i do say to my husband what i don't understand like i just i don't know what it is like i said none of this was planned i'm just being me and that sounds that actually sounds like i've curated that but i i honestly haven't uh, anyone that knows me nikki we've met a few times so yeah. what you see is what you get well, I remember how I first met you was at the Meller and Smith talk and I just thought it was hilarious because when you started, you, you started talking and then your husband caught your eye and you said, oh, sorry, and then you had a sip of wine or something. I just thought, she's brilliant. And it's because you're very just you and, and people know that. And I think that's another thing that like you say with brands is um, being who you are and being consistent and people can see through if someone's being fake or um things like that but yeah so it sounds like i bring my husband into everything <laughs> um at the Mellor and smith talk i was uh, he hadn't been to anything before that i'd done and he sat in the front row so i was busy making jokes and i he just thought my eyes laughing and i never make him laugh so it really threw <laughs> me uh, which is why i was then like oh yeah i just make everything just easy i hate formality i hate um you know if i am doing a talk i hate uh appearing like a i don't know someone of authority i just want to have a chat with everyone and that's uh i, I approach everything yeah um sorry you just oh no uh, a little bit there it's okay we're at the end oh it, sorry nikki no don't worry um, again these things happen this is this is what working from home's like. Yeah. Um, so should we try another one? Yes. Yeah. So um, what's your favourite brand based on their tone and how they talk to their customers? I hate questions like this because <laughs> I did have an answer. It's like being asked, what's your favourite advert? And I don't know that either. What's my favourite brand? Ask me the next question. I'll think about it because I said your mind is always working when, even when you don't think it is. I'll see if I can come up with something. All right. Okay. Well, this is another favourite one. So, what's your favourite copy you've ever made, and how was the process? Um. So my own copy. Uh, okay. This is this isn't going to sound grand enough, but at the body shop, I went through a phase of saying the cat. This is showing my age um, of saying the catchphrase from cannon and ball rock on tommy I, mean, I drove everyone mad anytime anyone spoke to me i was say rock on tommy and then i got a brief for a new deodorant that used volcanic rock as an ingredient and i was like i, I mean i've got this so the headline was freshness that rocks and i was really pleased with myself um on that not not a big story there um i guess another another line i'm proud of for a series on sky atlantic with tim roth called tin star uh and he uh he i'm trying not to give spoilers in case anyone wants to watch it but he has a drug and alcohol problem um and he's also out for revenge so the line was um can you hear me you, oh, uh, i can again. it's kind of frozen but i can hear you still oh. 
I think, hey, Vicky. Is it stabilised? No, if, if I'm happy to answer questions after this, if you want to send them to me, I honestly, I don't mind. You can email me, tweet me, I will answer questions. Yeah, if everyone's, I mean, everyone's still in the chat, but it's just going to be difficult, isn't it, if it cuts out? Um, yeah, I'm really sorry. Let me just, um, yeah. Oh, some people have said it's all good here. So I think people want us to carry on. So if they're still tuned in, do you want to still keep going or should we try and... I'm happy up? to keep going. I mean, it's annoying for people, but if, if it's okay, yeah, we can keep going yeah. for a few more minutes people are saying in the chat box so i'll just answer two more questions um so what's the next one so this one's on uh, mental health so i thought of a favorite brand <laughs> yeah okay um luke's city guides they look like they have fun when they write about um holiday destinations luke's city guides l-u-x-c maybe not a favorite but it's what you're getting for now yeah okay. okay um mental health so i'm curious about what the most healthy creative teams you've been a part of what sort of things you the team does to cultivate a safe environment for creativity from like a psychological point of view i unfortunately don't have a personal experience of that situation yeah okay and um how do you stop creative block i leave the computer it's it's so e that is it it is that easy just step away it can be to put the washing machine on like i said before it could be to walk down the street the minute i look up and and or, or talk to somebody or flick through a magazine something comes so you just got to distract yourself um, like that question and then it allows your mind to process the one before um, but so last question um, when approached to write copy for an industry or sector you have limited knowledge on how do you begin to research write um, I just get as much information as possible so I mean the internet's amazing <laughs> um, everything is there so don't just read the brand's website but read its competitors websites read its twitter feed see what customers are saying back to the brand mm -hmm. um, and this is all obviously in lockdown situation when you can get out if it's a shop go to the shop um, read magazines on the subject if you can't afford to buy them just stand in the supermarket aisle and flick through them I always do that and make notes um like I was writing about um whenever I'm writing about sports which obviously I do a lot for Sky I don't know anything about sport I might just go and pick up the football magazine on the shelf and just have a flick through but just you can't have too much information just keep feeding yourself with whatever it is yeah okay also uh, the, the, you can also google things like uh typical words and phrases related to football for example so then you know what words to use it is that easy so it's just doing your research seeing what else is out there and pulling that in um okay and so someone's asked about advice for pitching yourself creating your cv and online portfolio do you have any tips on that at all um not really. If I was to do a CV now and send it to an agency, I would probably go all out and make something that, that stood out. So it isn't just the typical Word document or PDF. Um, and there are creatives that do that and they're success stories and you see them in the industry press and you see that they get the job. So I don't know if anybody watching saw that guy who uh, wanted to write for Sprite and he made the rap video and sent it to Wyden and Kennedy and they hired him. Um, so, you know, it's a creative problem. Come up with a creative solution. You are advertising yourself to a job. So target your audience and put yourself into the into the idea. Yeah, that's really good tip as well, because especially if they're a dream agency you want to work for, like show them and go all out. Um, yeah. I, I actually last week, uh, Nahara Samuel from Aspire joined me on a call and we went in depth all about what makes an ideal CV within content and copywriting. So I'll be uploading that video in a week if anybody yeah. would like to watch that. She had some really good pointers. Um, 
So yeah, I think um, I'll wrap this up now, Vicky. But again, thank you so much for your time. Thank I really you. appreciate it. And uh, thank you everyone for joining us. And if you would like to tweet us or share it on uh, Instagram, please do. It gets the word out there about these events. This session has been recorded. So hopefully that will be live in a week or so. Um, well, yeah. Thanks everyone for coming and listening and or watching. I'm not even sure what's happening. <laughs> um, and thank you very much, Nikki. Like I said, it's clear you work really hard. So um, good for you. Oh, thank you. Okay. Right. Bye everyone. I'm going to end the session. Bye. Bye.